Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Untraded Media Podcast. This is episode 154, and tis the season for lots of foul activities. And by that, we mean turkey consumption. Um, ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, in honor of Thanksgiving this week, we're going to take a look at movies we're thankful for, because I've tried to do thanksgiving themed movies and i really couldn't get past knives out that's about the extent of a thanksgiving movie because it's <laughs> yeah. a whole bunch of relatives sitting around a table yelling about politics in fall weather um so yeah but about right <laughs> uh besides that we're gonna look at movies that we are thankful for for serious reasons goofy reasons uh happy memories associated with them just just random movies that we would like to say thank you we can't actually thank these movies but that's kind of what we're gonna do nice to be back uh in case you couldn't tell we took last week off because i didn't feel great um there's been episodes before that josh and i have been all under the weather but yeah. when it comes to speaking ability you kind of need that for the podcast and i couldn't really talk a whole lot which i mean some people were probably happy about that but <laughs> but we're back now still a little congested so if my voice sounds any different that's probably why but we're back josh how are you doing today? I'm chilling, my dude. It's uh, it is the season. Uh, got all, all the family in finally this week, so it will, you know, all the festivities will commence, and uh, I'm we're leaning hard into our nerdiness this this uh this Thanksgiving season this time. Uh, I'm literally like before we're, I was just getting set up for the pod, I was setting up a map for a HeroScape game. I don't know if you know what HeroScape is. I have no idea. That sounds like uh, a really crappy mobile game. Um, basically think like Warhammer, <laughs> but like for kids under twelve. Like it's it's a lot of fun, but like we grew up on it and we haven't played in a while, so we figured I'd set it one up. And it's easier to do it D and D style than to like try to do it how the game t tells you to do. But yeah, uh, uh, yesterday too, we went to the as a family went to the Texans uh, Titans game. Oh, cool. I know it was my first NFL game ever. So that was like, that was a really cool experience. That's on my bucket list. I've never been to an NFL game, but it's up. I want to do that at some point. Up until late second quarter when it started, the, the bottom fell out of the sky and we got poured on the rest of the game. Um, well, which is you know, at least fun. something in a, in a Texans game was pouring it on. I mean, hey, we won. So, and by we, I mean the Texans. I was because... about to say, which one are you going to claim allegiance to this time? <laughs> no, it's always Texans, especially when it when it's like Titans, because like those have Titans have always been our rivals ever since. Yeah, so. because they were birthed out of you. I mean, yeah, it's. I will say one of the weirdest things about it yesterday was seeing the amount of people with Oilers hats on. Like an Oilers jerseys, like I get it, y'all can't, y'all. They were the Oilers when they came here, and then they changed to the Titans. But that's still weird. I, it's just weird to me. Um, there's no history really in in Tennessee of of the Oilers. So, uh, also fun fact, I found out that Tennessee's state animal is the raccoon, and that's all you need to know about Tennessee. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been a, it's been a good week so far, and it looks like it's going to be a better week going forward. So. Have you been watching anything lately? Uh, last week, I apparently was uh, anime catch-up week because... What about I, anime mustard week? Yeah, like, no, I hate <laughs> like that. I must be short because that went right over my head. Um, <laughs> it's always my favorite when it takes Josh a second. 
it's not my fault i've had brain injuries um yeah so like i caught up on my hero i watched the entire first season of jujutsu kaisen i'm halfway through this season the first season of hunter x hunter like i watched a lot of anime this past week and i i don't know why also like part of that reason is um i uh i got a new game for my for my computer and it's a lot of fun and i've been playing i think i've logged like at least six hours this week alone minecraft in it uh no um <laughs> it's called potion craft uh, uh alchemist simulator <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a Josh game. <laughs> you literally just own a potion shop and you just like make potions and it's okay, it 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 sounds super dumb, but it's so much fun. Uh yeah, it's it's a lot of, yeah, yes, it's a, that's what I've been up to <laughs> this week. So since I was out of commission, I had a lot of time to watch stuff. So I oh, watched God. quite a few things. I watched the new Injustice animated movie mm. and holy crap, it's been a I don't think I've ever actually seen a DC animated movie this entirely miscast voice acting wise. Holy crap. The voice acting in this is awful. There's some good parts. Uh, The guy that voices Green Arrow, I think is really, really well done. Uh, I think it's Jillian Jacobs as Harley Quinn is really good. Like kind of up there with Kaylee Cuoco. But oh my god, they got Justin Hartley to be Superman, and he is so miscast. He is mm. bad as Superman. And also, just they're trying to condense so much of the Injustice story into like 75 minutes, and it just <laughs> doesn't work. Also, I think it's Kevin Pollock is Joker, and it single-handedly might be the worst Joker I've ever heard. It is wow. awful. And also, just they changed some core aspects of the story. Like, Superman, basically, once he turns evil, there's no, like, slow burn to this. It's just, I'm evil now, and that's about it. And then they kind of just bring in the multiverse Superman at the end. If Spoiler alert if you haven't played the games. Just randomly at the end. it It's very lazy, slapped together. As a Nightwing fan, it pissed me off. I already have a tumultuous <laughs> relationship with Nightwing's story in Injustice. But at least, like, when he dies in the game slash in the comic, he falls and gets his neck broken. Here, it's, I got hit in the head and fell over. Like, he doesn't even hit anything on the way down, so there's no reason he should actually be dead. Yeah. Um, it's, it was not very good. I'm glad I rented it instead of bought it. Um... I had heard mixed things going into it, but it it really does boil down to, holy crap, you really missed the mark with the voice cast on this one. It's bad. Uh, I watched Rocky vs. Drago, the director's cut of Rocky IV. It is really good. It's very different. It's clearly modern Stallone filmmaking trying to cut the mold for an old Stallone movie. Like It feels very much like a hybrid of Rocky four and Rocky Balboa in terms of more time and focus on character moments. Like the, almost the first third of the movie, Apollo's the main character more than anything of getting a lot more time with Apollo. And it's not so much an us against them. There's a little bit of that when Apollo goes into the fight, it's much more. I am very much afraid of losing the limelight type of thing, but I'll never openly admit that. Um, 
the movie helps out Drago too as a character. He's in this version, he's clearly much more of the vessel for Russia as opposed to the cartoonish bad guy. He's just kind of being used by other people. He's not evil or good. He's just an instrument. Um, but as a whole, I like. It. I don't know if I like it more than the original, but they're trying to accomplish two different things. I like them both. Uh, I watched American Psycho for the first time. Oh, it's good. I like it. Um, yeah. I like that. I can't tell at the end if it all happened or not. I, I yeah. still believe that none of it actually happened just because there's little clues throughout that. I think on pond scrutiny intentionally don't hold up. Like he's carrying a body through the lobby and then they cut to the next shot and there's no blood on the floor anymore. And going, Hmm, that could just be a mistake and be overanalyzing it. Or it could be cause it's not actually there. Uh, but it's great Christian Bale performance. I'm pretty sure American Psycho is what landed him the role of Batman to begin with. Yeah. Um, it's good. I watched the third Psych movie. Fantastic. Of the three Psych good. movies, I good. think this one's my favorite because they're actually trying for the first time in this one to mature the characters. They're still the goofy idiots that you know because Sean dresses up at one point as Rob Zombie and it was hysterical. <laughs> but they try and age up the characters like... Lassie's more or less having an existential crisis, especially given his real-life stroke. They work that into the character. Um, kids are brought up, and so it's the, it's interesting to see the characters that you've been watching for literally 15 years now uh, move into this next stage of life. I, I hope they keep making these movies. I appreciate the movies. Um, a lot better than the first one. That first one was bad. And then lastly... I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife this weekend. Yeah. I genuinely do not get the critical divide on this movie. Like, it is... Really? It is ferocious. Not Last Jedi level, but, like, diehard Ghostbuster fans either love this thing or hate this thing. And I'm on the camp of loving it. Now, disclaimer, we've said on the podcast before, neither Josh nor I particularly care about the original Ghostbusters. Um... And maybe that helps, but I think even if you like the original Ghostbusters, this is fine too. I've seen some people go, it's too nostalgia heavy. In terms of a reboot, compared to some other ones I've seen, it's really not that heavy. Uh, it takes them a little bit to actually bust ghosts, but that's because we've spent so much time with the characters and we care about them. It's a really good ensemble cast. I like everyone in this. Everyone's fantastic. My one criticism, and it's not even of the movie, it's of the marketing. There's a supporting character by the name of Podcast. That's actually his name in the movie. Gross. Who should have been in the marketing more. This kid was freaking hysterical. He was great. But he's not really in any of the trailers or posters or anything, really. But he was awesome. I really, really enjoy this movie. There's some really great emotional beats towards the end of the movie. That even as a non-Ghostbusters fan, I was getting hit with the feels a little bit going, okay... I get what they're going for here. And also, this movie in particular brought up an issue for me that I've been struggling with a lot lately of why is nostalgia such a bad thing to so many yeah. people? Like, they're like, oh, it just leans too hard on nostalgia. I'm going, if it makes people happy, then what's the issue? Like, I remember when Force Awakens come out and they're like, it's too similar to New Hope. It just makes, it just relies too much on nostalgia. If nostalgia makes people happy, then didn't it accomplish its mission more or less so long as it's still telling yeah. a competent story like i've seen way too many people compare this to the original or to stranger things which 
It's neither of those. This is its own thing. If you watch this as a movie, not comparing it to anything else, I think it's a very, very effective movie. Also, Paul Rudd is in it with a beard, and he's fantastic. He's awesome <laughs> in this movie. But yeah. Uh, it, the, yeah, the conversation about, like, nostalgia is always really, really interesting. Because, like like you said, like, uh, I the... It's interesting that people to me were like, Force Awakens is so, too full of nostalgia because it's too similar to the original, to, to New Hope. And I was like, I don't think, A, similarities can be also be categorized, categorized as nostalgia. Also, whenever you're dealing with bringing a, a movie series back, what, 20, 30 years later... You have to hit those story 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 beats again, so like, it doesn't make sense to not like involves. I think to me it it it's got to walk a fine line. It's kind of like Ruddy Player One when like Iron Giant shows up and Master Chief and like all that is like could be categorized as nostalgia or fan service. Um, but I, in that context, it's I don't feel like it is because it's being used by the story. It's there for the story. It's not there to, hey, let's let's bring Bill Murray back because Bill Murray. But see, it's not a spoiler. The original cast is involved to an extent in this yeah. movie. But how they're utilized, the focus and the spotlight is still on the new characters. Granted, I will say there is one moment in particular where... It is a little too fan servicey if a character literally turns his head and looks almost directly to the camera and says, "Who are you gonna call?" And I'm go like, "There's an awkward pause, like they are setting it up, and you know it's coming. You're just like, all right, just just get it over with. We know it's coming." Yeah, it's it, that delivery in that moment wasn't the best, but as a whole, it's really I don't understand the hate for this. Like, I, I think it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Suicide Squad's probably still my number one, but this is really up there. I really was charmed and entertained by all the characters in this. More so than the original. And I know people are going to hate me for that, but I don't connect with Bill Murray's character. No, I think he's a dick. He's a not good person in that. I can't emotionally engage with him or... um. Dan Aykroyd or Harold Ramis's characters, like, they're just kind of there. And anybody that says Ernie Hudson's character has an interesting character in the original is just fooling themselves. Ernie Hudson has no character. He was severely yeah, underwritten in the first one. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, too, because, like, they bring Ernie in, and it's like, that's kind of, like, a big deal. And then they don't do anything with him, so it's really weird. Yeah, it's... Uh, I actually, it's so odd. I watched um, the CinemaSins video for the original Ghostbusters this morning. Also, still hate CinemaSins. Um, then why are you watching their stuff? I, I'm just like, I saw it and I was like, oh, well, I'll look at it. See how, see how he tears it apart. And he like, doesn't really tear it apart at all. And I was like, okay, cool. So that tells me that just confirms everything I needed to know. But yeah, they really like undercut Ernie hardcore. Ghostbusters in particular has this very much a generational bias towards it, I've found. Uh, yes. Very much a, there's this generation that grew up with it. And I'm sure our generation has the exact same thing with certain movies. Like, while we don't like it, there's certain people of our generation still through this day that swear Space Jam is a good movie and will fight to the death on that one. It's now, not I'm not saying Ghostbusters is Space Jam by any means, but I've seen a large grouping of people that 
have grown up with Ghostbusters and that's awesome. I just, for me, I think I prefer this one just because of the characters. I think are more fleshed out and more interesting and less, you know, gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the way that we just kind of casually laugh uh, we were supposed to casually laugh at uh, 80s her- sexual harassment is uh, yeah is that like, is not at all aged very well yeah let's get into some news shall we yeah because you know nothing's more timely than talking about a trailer that came out almost a week ago but oh, let's man. not talk about that um so the I'm not even gonna call it the final trailer because I still believe there's one more in the can the second trailer for spider-man no way home dropped and it's okay and just saying anything is going to be okay with this movie is going to cause people to be in a frenzy but i'm not gonna lie this trailer didn't really do a whole lot for me primarily because maybe i had my expectations too high but in this situation I think I was justified in having high expectations because Sony themselves built up the expectations. They're like, okay, we're going to have this trailer, but the trailer's going to debut first at this special party with big, all capital letters, big surprises. And then we see the trailer and there's no big surprises. And at this party, the big surprise was Tom Holland showing up in person going, that's cool, but just Tom Holland? Like, I don't want to be one of those people that be like, oh, I need Andrew, I need Toby. Because I've been very much of, I just want this to be a good Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. If other Spider-Men show up, fine. But when you promise big surprises, yeah. we kind of expect big surprises. Now, for the trailer itself... It's more or less just kind of continuing stuff we've already seen. Like, they're fine. Some of the TV spot, we got some TV spots that came out a few days ago that I actually prefer some of the TV spots over this trailer. There's one in particular that has Doc Ock fighting Spider-Man, and he, like, breaks out the uh, Iron Man arms, and Doc Ock says something along the lines of, oh, looks like we've got competition. I'm going, ah, see, that, that feels like Doc Ock. More so than the uh, some other lines. Like, I still... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the CG or the line delivery. The, hello, Peter. Like, that That doesn't feel like the Doc Ock we know for some yeah. reason. But, like, in this other TV spot when he's like, looks like we've got competition. That sounded like Doc Ock. The way it's delivered. The way he looks. Um, I don't like either trailer we've gotten so far. But I get the sense it's because they've held so much back. Yeah, absolutely. And they're saving it for what I believe will be the final trailer next week. So I thought it was super, super weird. Of Normally when we get these type of trailers, at the end it goes, tickets on sale now. And so before this, we knew the trailer was coming out today. I texted my parents because we had this whole long issue with Avengers Endgame, and I wanted to make sure we didn't have that issue again, so I'm going, hey, Spider-Man trailer tonight, very good chance tickets go on sale. If they do, you want me to go ahead and buy your guys' tickets, too, so you're sitting with us. Um, Tickets didn't go on sale. The trailer ends with, tickets on sale, Spider-Man Monday. I'm going, 
Yeah, because we know what Spider-Man Monday is. Like, that's an <laughs> annual holiday. It's right up there with Groundhog Day going <laughs> November 29th. So I bet you anything we get a final trailer November 29th, and yeah. maybe we get some hints to Toby and Andrew. I still don't think we'll see them in any of the trailers, but maybe we get uh, the trailer logo Spider-Man No Way Home with the title, and then the just black screen play a little bit of Toby's music. And that's it. And then tickets on sale now. I can I mean, see that. Outside of the the hit, the bad editing that's already revealing that they're there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you course. mean the Brazil trailer? Well, even not even not just not even just that, but like the fact that you've got one guy. It's okay because when you have in a fight and you've got a one v three situation. And only one of the villains is facing the the only other hero in the in the shot. You're trying. You're going to sit here and tell me that there's not a, two other people in the shot. Get out of here. Get also out. now. I don't want to sit here and say for sure that it's in Andrew or Toby because Venom still not hasn't shown up in any of these trailers, and we know he's going to be in the movie. Do so, we? I. I can't okay I just I don't know man but yeah there's definitely somebody else in that fight with him did you so, see the Brazil trailer yeah where where it's very obvious that lizard gets kicked <laughs> Liz- <laughs> like, like guys what are you doing so oh for those that don't know what we're talking about the uh, Brazil also had basically a nearly identical trailer to the US trailer except there's like an extra second on that shot here and it's a revealing shot because you get uh, Electro, Sandman, and Lizard all coming at Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And only, like, one of them is actually facing, like Josh said, Sandman's, like, eye level with. Uh, but all of a sudden, Lizard, right before the trailer cuts the next shot, Lizard, like, violently whips his arm up like it's been caught on something. And whips his body around like he's just been kicked in the face. And we're going, oh, so John Cena's in this movie. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that immediately got turned into a meme too. So we're going, oh, Brazil, you done goofed again. Because all the so, like foreign Sony accounts yeah. have been very much like not on the same page with the America accounts. And it's kind of funny. Yeah. So, yeah. It, uh. I'm going to go on record saying at bare minimum, we get Toby and Andrew. I yes. wouldn't be surprised if we get more, like a Venom, like, oh, dude. Imagine if we get Emma Stone's Spider-Gwen. Oh, dude, I was just thinking about that. I would literally, like, Toby and Andrew are cool and all, but, like, a surprise Spider-Gwen played by Emma Stone would absolutely blow my mind. Um, I was also thinking, um, oh, geez, I just had it. But yeah, no, Spider-Gwen would be amazing. Um, God, dude, I'm so sorry. Like that, I had a whole thought there, and it just uh, decided to poof off. Guess I'm not drinking enough so, coffee. So, <laughs> this trailer also kind of, at least to me, confirms my happy theory. I don't think Happy's making it out oh, of no, alive here. Not. Like, that pumpkin bomb looks like it's in the lobby of... Um, may and peter's apartment complex yeah and when you see that shot of happy in the car that looks like it's in the same location now i know a yeah. lot of people pointing the finger going 
Oh man, it looks like May's gonna die here. May's gonna die here. I think she's the obvious choice to die, but it or would even, feel yeah. It feel too much like the Spider-Man game that just came out. Spoiler alert for that. Um, which I'm sorry, MCU. If you're gonna kill Aunt May, there's not a chance you can make it as emotional as the PS4 game did because oh, I replayed dude. that recently and it still shatters my heart into a thousand pieces when it's take off the mask. I want to see the face of my uh, nephew. I'm going, oh, oh. <laughs> stop, of I do, Peter. I'm not stupid. I was like, oh, dude. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. I, ha- Happy's dead. There's no way MJ's dying. I'm sorry. That that is. No, that uh, that is definitely a uh, a tease shot of like I know I know what you're gonna say I know what you're gonna say because you got a theory on it. It's not my theory. I wish I could take credit for it, but the internet's already jumped on this. What if Tom Holland doesn't save her? Yeah. What if Andrew Garfield saves her? Because yeah. oh, I'm on board with that. Absolutely. Because he can finally get redemption for oh snap. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so the other thing, too, is I definitely think there's way more villains in this than the ones they're showing on screen. I think that's pretty obvious. I, I don't think that's a hard... But there's two shots of Goblin in this in this trailer. And one of them is, is at night, and I don't think that's William Defoe's Goblin. I think it is with a different suit. I think uh, all the... Hmm. I think all the villains are going to get upgraded as the movie progresses. Like, we see Doc Ock clearly stealing the nanotech from the Iron Spider suit, which, thank God we're destroying the Iron Spider suit. I will be cheering so loud to see Spider-Man get his butt kicked and that suit ripped away from his childish hands, going, (laughs) oh no, does Baby have to make his own suit now and not rely on the wealth and power of other people to carry him? Oh, but, but Nathan, but, but Nathan, Nathan, he built his own suit in Far From Home. Yeah, using Star (laughs) Tech! No, but I I think, I, I legit think that that, um, shot is an upgraded suit version of uh garfield's goblin which honestly i i think deserves a redo like absolutely deserves a redo which i wouldn't be against i mean because if we're building to a quote unquote sinister stick six we only have five uh well we've already have somewhere in the background we still have vulture we have scorpion somewhere that's nowhere to be found i still don't believe mysterio is dead um, yeah. somebody suggested, and I'm going, don't just, just, just don't is what if this whole entire movie is one massive, elaborate Mysterio illusion? I'm going, don't want to vision me here. Just, just oh, don't. I think everyone I mean, would be pissed. Like, <gasps> Toby Maguire, to have... Toby Maguire is Mysterio. Oh, I will. And not, and not like, not, <laughs> not, not like. <laughs> Toby Maguire is Peter Parker. Toby Maguire is Mysterio. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I and like I think this could be one of our only chances to have Gerard Butler as Craven show up. <laughs> it will not happen. So, but I am so here for it. I will say though, there is one story element that I had heard about for a while via like there's been leaks for this movie forever that I'm I'm sad to say are 
seemingly pretty accurate. Like this was months and months ago that I had heard some of these. And so one of them was Spider-Man feels guilty that all these spider villains will go back to their own universes and die. So he's going to try and free them all, which I initially hated it. And I'm still kind of on the fence about it. But I'm coming around to it because it's coming off the back of Far From Home, in which case Mysterio died, who is the first Spider-Man villain for at least Tom Holland that has died because Vulture is still alive. Interesting. So Mysterio might be dead. And so maybe he's still feeling remorse for that. So I'm going, okay, I kind of buy that. But Spider-Man freeing the villains like he tries to do in the trailer here kind of makes him look like a gullible idiot i'm just going it, yeah it, like i don't know it's one of those and i think the phrase that bothers me the most about the whole situation is still uh um uh, dr strange's line where he said it's their fate to go back into their universe and die like that's just it's their fate to die to spider-man but like, not I... all of them do like sandman no, yeah. is still around lizard's still around exactly and it's like i i hate how that's phrased because it brings into the concept of, it, it brings into spider-man the concept of destiny and like villains like spider-man's destined to kill his villains like that 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 just doesn't feel like spider-man and like i get it the the philosophical hole they put tom holland spider-man in with the remorse with the like oh man like i just lost i just killed a villain i don't want to do i don't want that to be me and like that's pretty admirable but when you're stacking up against five six seven villains and they're all supposed to die at your at spider-man's hands but you're like no i don't want people to die but so i'm just gonna let them run free like that doesn't yeah that just doesn't feel a it doesn't feel like spider-man b it just doesn't make sense now i'll be very curious how much of spider-man will feed into doctor strange in the multiverse of madness i'd imagine quite a bit but maybe it's just me when i hear the word reshoots i get a little nervous marvel reshoots i typically don't because marvel plans reshoots into their schedule ahead of time well Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is undergoing reshoots, but massive reshoots that are getting me a little concerned. Granted, I know Doctor Strange did a lot of filming during COVID, and that's supposedly what these reshoots are for, of getting actors available that weren't available during COVID. But these reshoots, from everything we're hearing, are six-day week uh, working conditions for a couple months those are significant yeah. reshoots normally reshoots are a few weeks um as much as josh and i were like kind of eh about Zack snyder's justice league those had reshoots a few weeks nothing nothing too extensive months though months That's... and months this is significant i think and here's my concern i don't seek out spoilers. I just get them every once in a while. Mm. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has been a pretty tight ship as opposed to uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, in which case there's a big, huge gunshot wound in the side of your ship and you're leaking mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness really has been pretty tight-lipped. We haven't heard a whole lot about it. I'm worried with these reshoots that a lot of stuff is going to come out 
But at the same time, I'm excited because I think in the Multiverse of Madness is planning some very big things. And I feel pretty confident saying at least one of the people involved in this movie because he's older and doesn't care if he spoils anything. So if you guys don't want to know who accidentally spoiled by my guess who it is, then come back in maybe about a minute or two. Uh, it's pretty safe to say, at least for me, Michael Keaton is coming back. Yeah. For In the Multiverse of Madness. Because he was just on either Kim or, Kimmel or Fallon. They're, they're the same person to me. And he basically said, oh yeah, tomorrow, which is a few days ago, tomorrow I'm going to be filming some stuff as Vulture. And you can maybe think Spider-Man, but I think that one's been completely done and in the can for a while. Same thing with Morbius. It's too late in the game. That's January. I'm sure his stuff's already done. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, though, is doing reshoots right now. And he didn't say, I'm, I'm doing filming some stuff. He said, I'm filming some Vulture stuff. So whether he's coming back for that or, or what. But yeah, it's Michael I, Keaton. Yeah. Uh, he's the small fish, though. No, I agree. Uh, I completely agree. What What do you think about these reshoots before I go full-on tinfoil hat theory here? <laughs> um, I Dang, man. I just... Here's the thing. Here's my thought process. I'm with you. I normally don't wor- necessarily worry about Marvel res- reshoots because it doesn't... They typically, like you said, plan them, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but month, like a couple months is basically a full movie. Yeah. Like, that feels like a full movie. Halloween movie shooting like a month or two. The whole thing. Yeah. So it's like... Uh, mm, hmm, hmm, hmm. That om- I don't want to say they had a, a pretty solid thing and then they were like, um, let's change some stuff up. And then realize if they changed one or two things, they've got to change the whole thing. I just... I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe somebody finally pulled the trigger on... Uh, on opening the the universe all the way maybe there was some contract they finally got signed and they finally have access to a lot more characters who knows i it just that's honestly that that feels more like what i hope that that's more what this is and not that they're like all right let's just reshoot the whole movie because that tends to lead to disaster and i'm not really I I really really want this to be a good good movie. I, I it's it you know me. I love interdimension and like magic and like that stuff is really cool and we need more of it. Um, also maybe ooh I just had this if if Shang Chi shows up in this for some reason because he he it's dealing with mystics and stuff like that. He did deal with Wong. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. God, I just I need Shang Chi. I I I need. You get Shang Chi to kill the Iron Fist version to kill the Netflix version of Iron Fist and just go. Yep, he's dead now. We have to find a new Iron Fist. <laughs> it'd be it'd be really interesting if they use this as opportunities to close off certain storylines. Maybe like Daredevil from the Netflix, like close off the Netflix stuff. In a, in a specific way so that people will stop being like oh, it's part of the same universe they could pop up at any time but like no we're going to take that those characters away because we want to be able to read we want to be able to do them with the freedom of film um yeah i don't, I don't know i don't want to be nervous 
but I think the scale of reshoots is what's making me nervous. So when they were filming most of this already the first time, it was during the pandemic era. So I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have as many actors available due to maybe mm. concerns or international travel restrictions, which is lightening up. And I, th- if I remember correctly, this was filming in London because yeah. Pinewood Studios. I think they've got some big fish that they are trying to hook. There has been one massive rumor, even before the pandemic, basically from the get-go with this movie, that they've been rumoring and talking about and thinking about, not they, just Disney, I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but I'm starting to believe it. Say it with me, Josh. I think Hugh Jackman is coming back for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I think either Hugh Jackman or Patrick Stewart. I think one of the two is coming back for this movie in the same way that Toby and Andrew are coming back for No Way Home. Now, I know some people are like, well, Logan finished his story perfectly. Yes, it did. But maybe it's not that universe's Logan. Maybe it's a different universe that maybe because Marvel, for some reason, now that Endgame is done, now they care about suit accuracy and looking like comic book characters. Maybe this universe's Hugh Jackman's Wolverine comes through in a yellow suit or wears an actual suit. I'm still on the fence about the Hugh Jackman one, but the rumors haven't died down, and I think there's some validity to it. The one that actually makes more sense, though, would be Professor X, either McAvoy or Stewart, because... If Scarlet Witch is going to start messing everything up, you need a very, very powerful individual to be able to stop them. Then maybe when they run into him in some other universe, because still leave it as they're from a separate universe, he'll say something along the lines of your mutant powers are off the charts to which Strange and Wanda can go something along the lines of what do you mean by mutant powers? And then that would leave the door open for maybe they were not aware of mutants in our own universe, which gets them back to being interested in our stuff. I think the first hint of X-Men is in the multiverse of madness. If that's, that still could be way off in the distance, but I wouldn't be surprised if no way home is how we explain the Sony, the previous Sony movies and in the multiverse of madness is how we explain the previous, what Marvel calls legacy movies, the Fox x-men movies Mm. or in this multiverse over here we've got ben affleck's batman and john favreau's foggy nelson because don't ever forget people john favreau was in the original daredevil movie um so i think marvel's making a play to say hey everything is canon everything has happened just maybe not necessarily in our universe fine (laughs) <laughs> I just I, I I think it's so tricky because I do think Hugh Jackman when he left as Wolverine was in a place mentally that was like I not like I want to be done with this character but because it was I think for him it was more I'm tired of 
keeping up this workout regimen. I'm old now. I don't want to deal with this, which is fine. He loves the character Wolverine. So, I mean, there is that. But I, I, I would love... And Kevin Feige loves Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I know. Because Kevin Feige worked on those X-Men movies. I know. I just... And also, if, if it's if it's, I, I do think Professor X makes the most sense. And I uh, personally, as much as I love Stewart, would love James McAvoy to come back as Professor X. Um, I think there's some longevity to not I, see. That's so tricky because, although you want to see, it's it's Patrick Stewart. He's gonna yeah, live forever. If you like, want to like immediately just sell out all the box office, like I know. Uh, people are going to freak out when Toby and Andrew show up if they do in a trailer. But can you imagine the Doctor Strange trailer? You see Wanda and Doctor Strange fighting back to back against all these galactic threats. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Cut to black. I heard you needed assistance. Fade up. Patrick Stewart. Everyone would lose their minds. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I do think, I, I think without a doubt... First hint of mutants is going to come from this movie. Um, I just, I think it's more likely to be to be Professor X than Wolverine. I if we're bringing back Toad, <laughs> dude, I'm not against that. Honestly, I would love to see a legit Toad a and have Doctor Strange have Doctor Strange go. You know what happens when a Toad is struck by magic? Same thing that happens to everything, everything else. else. I hate that line. So <laughs> it's much. so bad. It's so bad. Um. I will say, if there was ever a time for Tom Hardy to show up as Wolverine, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm obviously kidding because yes, and that, Jesse that, Eisenberg will be Magneto. I kind of want that to happen. No, no, just no, just just to spite you. <laughs> In which case, I'll be what's his face? Anger from Inside Out. For the rest of this, time. I, I think the point we're making here though is with the reshoots there's obviously a good reason because it is marvel and they don't do reshoot shoots without good reason especially not this massive of reshoots. yeah these are big reshoots there's some yeah. there's clearly something big that they're scheming about scheming. now speaking of scheming we've got the ultimate <sighs> schemer except scheming typically implies that you're successful at what you're doing um, but Kathleen Kennedy is the controversial president of Lucasfilm. Well, we thought and we hoped that she was on her way out, but apparently we're all suckers as she has just extended her contract and will be at Lucasfilm for reportedly three more years till 2024. Interesting. Why? Why? Like, I don't dislike her nearly as much as some other people like i get what she's going for but at the same time she has not been very good for the brand of star wars like take the sequel trilogy out of the equation take that off the table um i know a lot of people have issues with that it's cool if you do just take that out look at her firing of josh trank off the boba fett movie most recently, taking Patty Jenkins off the Rogue Squadron movie due to creative differences. The massive reshoots on uh, Gareth Edwards' Rogue One. Um, the basically firing of Lord Miller with two weeks left to go on Solo. She has fired more people than she's hired. Then look at 
what happened with the sequel trilogy. Even look at the stuff in the sequel trilogy that didn't happen. Colin Trevorrow was originally supposed to direct episode nine, then got fired off because they didn't like the book of Henry. Like she will hire big name directors and then not be on the same page creatively with them or let them kind of just do their own thing. Now the, from everything I was reading, the, um, the general consensus from people in the industry was that she would stay on to see the release of Indiana Jones 5 because that's she's been attached to every Indiana Jones movie since Raiders. Basically, she's worked with Spielberg. So she's a really good producer, and she's emotionally invested in Indiana Jones. Understandable. And I think, un- unfortunately, Indiana Jones, I think, is that franchise that gets forgotten about when it comes to Lucasfilm. Like, when people yeah. say Lucasfilm, they immediately think Star Wars, but Indiana Jones falls in Lucasfilm as well. Um so she was probably going to stay on for that and then maybe bow out. At least that's what we were hoping for. This doesn't make sense to me because say what you will about the sequels trilogies. She has not done a good job of hiring the proper people in the, in the proper positions. Yes, she is responsible for the highest grossing domestic box office movie of all time with The Force Awakens. That is the highest, like, just in America, movie of all time. Then The Last Jedi came out. We've talked about that extensively. That single-handedly fractured the franchise in half. And then Rise of Skywalker basically continued that crack down the line. Uh, Mando helped establish and rebuild some of that rapport but there's been time and time again that we've been excited for a star wars project only to find the people leave the project due to scheduling conflicts quote-unquote scheduling conflicts but more often than not creative differences and then the project never sees the light of day the only way i ever get excited for a star wars project is when it actually comes out because there's no guarantee that it will even come out like you could have a big name like patty jenkins give her this really great vignette showing yeah she's doing this x-wing movie nope not anymore the issue really does come with she has a tendency to hire big name directors off of big projects just for the headlines and then not be on the same page creatively with what you're looking for like it's fine to get these directors, but at the same time, you yourself as a head of the company have to say, this is the type of movie that we're looking for. Who fits best into this as opposed to, all right, here's a name. Let's give him something. Like, I think she hired Gareth Edwards off of Godzilla, which was a pretty big success and pretty big deal. And I think Monsters... And then completely shut him out for the final third of the movie and completely reworked his movie because it didn't fit what they were kind of hoping for narratively. Um, the To me, the biggest mishiring that she's been responsible for was Lord Miller on Solo. I love Lord Miller. Lego Movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love both the Jump Street movies. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is great. But their style of directing and their style of humor does not mesh with the character of the world of Han Solo. You need to find things that fit. And from day one, I was like, this is a weird pairing that feels like just for the headline. So I genuinely do not understand why they're resigning her other than, okay, 
some of the projects made a lot of money. But even if you look at the movies that have come out, it's been a sharp decline. Like Force Awakens made a lot of money. Now, granted, all the Star Wars trilogies make less and less money over time. Like Phantom Menace is the highest grossing of the prequels. A New Hope is the highest grossing of the original movies. Um, So you're going to lose it over time. This just... It doesn't seem like a smart move, but then again, we'll talk about Bob Chapek, the head of Disney later. He's not known for smart moves. Nah. I, yeah, I go back and forth on this because there is definitely some more Star Wars stuff coming, but it does seem to be coming from the minds of Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau, which is, I'm totally okay with. And John still kind of has half a foot in the Marvel universe until he dies. Yeah. Well, hmm. so my thought process here, and the only way I can make this make sense into somewhat of a good idea is give it because you and I have theorized that John or Dave will, will step into the head of into this Lucasfilm position uh, pretty soon. But I, I don't really like them being presidents and I don't think that that's really a role, a, a role that they would be down for. However, maybe this is not necessarily the fact that it's three years, I think is telling the fact that they weren't like, Hey, let's give her another five or 10 year contract that I, I think is telling of like, Hey, like we don't really have necessarily anybody else right now. That's really ready for the role. So we're going to let you stay on, but it's going to be with the short leash. Um, I think Dave and at least on the star Wars side of things, Dave and and John are going to be creatively more in the, in the director's presidential seat, so to speak, um, than Kathleen will be. And maybe because I mean, Dave and Dave was around, but you know, John has some good, some good clout has a lot of his word pulls a lot. In, in the movie industry, um, who knows? Maybe there's some stuff going on behind the scenes that's very much like, all right, Kathleen, we got three more years to figure this out. Otherwise, we're, we're going with somebody else. Yeah, to me, with her, maybe it's just how I'm viewing things. People in leadership, you shouldn't really, you should know the name, but the name shouldn't come up a whole lot. Look at uh, the head of Disney films up until... The end of this year, Alan Horn. You don't know the name because he keeps himself out of the spotlight. Like, yeah. if I'm hearing your name a lot, it's probably not a good thing. Like, we're going to talk about Bob Chapek here in a little bit. We hear his name a lot, but it's not a good thing that we're hearing his name a lot. Like, we hear Kathleen Kennedy's name a lot, but that's probably not a good thing that we're hearing her name yeah, a lot. Absolutely. Like, it's one of the being the president of a company. Or the head of the studio type of thing is it's one of those things that people should be aware of who you are, but we shouldn't be hearing your name a lot. It should be a position that you are more or less the enabler for other people to go and do. Not so much a you need to be the one that's got the spotlight on you at all times. I think it's yeah. not a it's one of those thankless positions that really needs to be in existence. You need some you need the quarterback, basically. But you don't necessarily want someone that's going to be as controversial 
or be a lightning rod for controversy, so to speak. You want them to be there for you as a creative, but you don't want them to more or less take the shine off the actual creatives. And unfortunately, that's been the case for most of her tenure. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I definitely, I'm hoping that it is like, hey, we're going to, we're giving you a last chance. That's why it's going to be three years. Um, To my not, I'd have to do some more, you know, in-depth research, but there's nothing, no, nothing big that hasn't already been announced outside of the the couple trilogies that are, have not been labeled. But like, yeah, maybe it is like, hey, listen to your people. You have three years to figure it out. And I'm hoping that's what it is. Someone that I hope doesn't have three more years left and hopefully will be gone sooner rather than later. And at the rate he's going, he's not going to last much longer. It's Disney CEO Bob Chapek, the coward that he is. <laughs> so I say that in full confidence because he is. So Disney just recently over this past weekend had something called Destination D23, which is different than their actual D23 conference that they have every couple years. I've seen some outlets going... Bob Chapek, no shows, D23. I'm going, it's not the same event. This is a D23 light that they focus just on the theme parks. But isn't it weird that this big event, Disney's biggest event of the year, basically, gets no-showed by the head of the Disney company. So Bob Chapek basically bails on this whole show because... Get this. He's worried about being heckled and booed by the live audience. So uh, <laughs> so his representatives basically said, oh, he's got a scheduling conflict. He's got a meeting in Los Angeles. Guys, this has been on the calendar for over a year. Like, this is not something that just magically popped up. And also, if you've got a random meeting or your company's biggest presentation of the year you reschedule the los angeles meeting not bail on your company's biggest meeting and then here's the funny thing is we're not disney scoopers we're not disney reporters but several disney like people that i do follow were reporting that basically yeah chapek doesn't show up because he didn't want to get booed and disney reached out to those outlets with very harsh language saying no, how dare you post such factually inaccurate details? He does have some schedule, like very harsh and aggressive language. I'm going, what is with your PR people? Have It seems like since Chapek's taken control of Disney, Disney's PR people have like lost all tack and mannerism and manners to them. Like, dare we bring up the rebuttal statement against Scarlett Johansson when she sued Disney and how classy no classless mm-hmm. and tasteless that was like yeah, disney's pr rough disney's pr has gone down the tube since jpeg has taken over but he bails on the biggest event of the year and it's not unheard of to say he would have gotten booed so on october 1st this year uh the magic kingdom the first park in disney world celebrated its 50th anniversary it opened october 1st mm-hmm. 1971 so he was in the park for a little bit which he never does. So the word on the street is he would never show up to the parks in person. And if he did, it means something was wrong. And supposedly when he was there for the 50th anniversary, he got booed and made fun of relentlessly by guests in the park. Like, wow. 
the sad thing is the Disney bubble is full of very protective people. I was in it for a very long time. I, because of Chapek, I'm just like, I'm, I'm done with Disney for the time being. That's a very small, intimate bubble of theme park diehards. The people that dislike Chapek are no longer that bubble. He's bleeding out to the mainstream here. This yeah. is not the people that don't follow theme park news are getting wind of it. And the tide is starting to turn of, well, we'll wait a couple of years before we go back to Disney. Uh, we'll, we'll go someplace else like Universal, who, you know, is opening a new park in Orlando where Disney is just going. We haven't opened a park since 1997. We're fine. We don't need to open anything else. Whereas Universal is going expand or die. We like making people happy. And also, if we make things more expensive at Universal, we want to offer more things. Whereas Disney's going, we're going to make everything more expensive and show you less. I I don't understand how the head of a company can just decide, hey, I just don't feel like going. It would be like, who's the commissioner of the NBA now? Um, it's uh, not- I don't know because they're not in the news all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was David Stern. Okay, Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell's the... Yeah. The guy for the NFL. It would be like if Roger Goodell no-shows the Super Bowl. Like, come on. you That's the one day of the year that you've got to be here. Um, Josh, as a Disney outsider... <laughs> yeah, as somebody who doesn't really care. <laughs> as a Disney outsider, have you known... As someone that doesn't follow the theme parks or Disney as a product super close, have you noticed a shift? And if so... Oh, yeah. If oh, so, yeah. What's your reaction to someone no-showing an event? I, I, It's definitely, like, some of this news I get through doing research for the pod and, you know, just trying to make sure that I'm up, up to date on certain things on the news topics. But um, it's just a lot of the stu- stuff and the vibe that Disney has been giving off lately is even to the point of, like, I think the big thing that I, I actually had a long conversation with my, some of my family members about was his Bob Chapek's comment that went public about Shang Chi, which was you know it's an experiment, and which like, something how? to note. Experiment how? Of something to note, of all the theatrical released movies that um, have come out under Chapek's tenure, he has shown up to none of the premieres of these movies. I he does it. not come out. Unless he absolutely has to kicking and screaming. He does not back the people making his own products. No, he doesn't. And hearing, it'd be like if the president didn't show, like, no-showed the presidential ball. Like, that's, like, the thing that you're supposed to go to, dude. Like, I don't understand. It's, it is kind of, I think in any other scenario, it'd be a no-story. But because of the constant stuff that he keeps that Bob keep JPEG keeps, keeps pulling. It feels like an, a, a, yeah, another reveal of character yet another, like, well, okay, maybe Disney is changing, but not necessarily for the better. And it's like, okay, well, I want to, I've seen a lot of people who are Disney diehards have to have that conversation with themselves of how do I support the artists without supporting Disney? How do I enjoy the product without giving Disney more money? It's, so I, it's just 
just because Bob Chetnik is screwing a lot of stuff up. Like he's, it's kind of like Kathleen Kennedy, man. Like as the CEO of a company, of a media company, you should not be in the in the news a whole lot, man. Like that's not the headline shouldn't be about you. And you can sit here and say, well, oh, it's because, you know, being targeted and it's a new transition. And, you know, they, they say that it's not my fault. But like, dude, if you're not showing up to one of the only events you like kind of have to show up to because you're worried about getting booed and heckled, um, you're feeding into that. Like if you're, if you're trying to show that you're, you're not that and you're stronger than that. Um, then maybe like, don't play the game. That, yeah. If you're going like, to be a CEO, if you're going to be a CEO, you've got to have thick skin. Like as much as I think he's not a good commissioner, say what you will Roger Goodell, but he could take the punches. Like he gets booed mercilessly every single NFL draft, but he leans into that. He knows He's got to make hard decisions. Anyone in a place of power knows that they're not always going to be liked. The problem is with Chapek, he surrounded himself with so many yes men that if anybody dares to say they don't agree with something, they're either quietly taken out back and never seen again, or he gets surprised that somebody disagrees. Now, I it, what's annoying is um, he'll there's a lot of change that, that has been implemented that he'll be like, well, because of the pandemic, well... I would believe that if you yourself hadn't gone on record not too long ago saying, well, the pandemic has just sped up some plans that we already had in the works. I'm going, oops. There's so many times that he like says something and then doesn't realize, you know, everything you say will be written down and jotted down forever for reference because you're the CEO. People remember what you say. Like, he threw some shade a few months uh, last year, two years ago. Universal and Disney were both opening new big attractions at the exact same time. One of them, the Universal one, had some technical problems. And so it had really, really long lines, up to 10 hours. But it was still a massively popular ride. And Chapek went, well, we don't base our rides on how long the of a wait it is. And so when their ride opened with a lot of technical issues... And didn't have a line. He completely changed how you get on the ride. Because you kind of have to. He didn't want to back pedal on his statements that he made a few months earlier. I'm going. Oops. It's a conversation about the PR team. Like. Yeah. Does this guy not realize that perception is reality? And if you say. and I've You and I have, have seen some kind of insiders that are in the boardroom saying like. Yeah. Like. We can understand how it's being set, how it can be perceived. That's not the way he means it. He's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I'm sorry, as the CEO of a multi billion dollar media company, perception is reality. And you've got to, like, your PR team has got to be stronger than mm, I'm going to be aggressive to, to reporters because that always ends up well. Like, yeah, you not, want those people mm. on your side more than anything else. It, you yeah. know, it's bad when literally. Hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of former Disney employees have signed petitions started by former Disney employees to get him fired. Like, oh, yeah. and the whole re- a whole bunch of people from California are being forced 
to move to Florida to centralize stuff because he doesn't want to travel as much and save some money. It's, I just don't understand how he can be in this position for much longer. And I really don't think he will be, um, just, just wow is all I can ever really say about Mr. Clean over here. Now, lastly, we're going to have something that should make Josh very happy just because he seems to be on a Harry Potter kick lately. Um, and also at the same time, it's going to age us all horribly because the original Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone just celebrated its 20th anniversary not too long ago. Mm. And we're going, no, thank you. And so to celebrate that 20th anniversary, HBO Max is going to be having a Harry Potter reunion special, which normally I'm going, yeah, whatever. But they're bringing back basically everyone. They're bringing back Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, uh, Tom Felton as Draco Malfoy. I'm going... Oh, you're bringing back everybody because there's always Harry Potter conventions, events, fan stuff all the time, but very rarely are the big three ever back together. They've all kind of moved on to do their own thing. Some of them have kids. So getting, getting them all back, I'm going, oh, this is something you should absolutely take seriously. It's, I think they saw the success of the Friends reunion special on HBO Max, which, you know was supposed to be there at launch and was not there for was much it? later after yeah. <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> um, I'm hoping, though, that this will be a little more structured and organized than the Friends reunion special. That was fine, but I felt like it was just kind of random train of thought, just kind of bouncing all over the place. Um, I think this is cool. I think this is really special. I can't believe it's 20 years. It's just weird to me. Uh, yeah. I don't. I can't remember if they confirmed it or not, but I would like to see uh, Chris Columbus, the director of the first two, come back. Maybe they'll do a nice tribute to uh, Richard Harris, who was the original Dumbledore for the first two movies, the best Dumbledore. Um, and, and Alan Rickman, too, would be nice to have a good mm-hmm. uh, memoriam for him. Um, I just, yeah, like 20 years is a long time. Uh, like, I was not, I was almost 10 years old when the first one came that came out like that's amazing to me um so i don't know dude. it's it's really really cool I, I part of the marketing at first made it sound like they were like coming back for like a episode or like a movie or something well but... chris columbus has talked a lot recently about hey i want to do a cursed child movie to which i'm going well yeah. it's got to be better than fantastic beast i would think I don't know, man. Have you read Cursed Child? I don't really want to. Leave the memories alone. It from everybody that I know that read it, uh, they did not like it. So um, there's that. I I also just think it'd be interesting to tell some new stories with with uh, with the original three if they're down for it. Um, let's have. Or the adventures of the kids. Like I know that troop is kind of, that trope is kind of tired and old, but like I don't see any reason why not to. I mean, especially with a series as this celebrated and this like has this much fan base behind it. Um, no, but yeah, I'd be down. I, I kind of am down for whatever as long as it is J.K. Rowling is uh, is not as involved as she. She's was. She's not before. in this in at all. She's not involved in this reunion Good. special at Screw all. Her. Screw her. To which that's like that's quite caused quite a bit of controversy. People look like, but she created. It. I'm going. 
she was very involved with some aspects, but she's more or less like the creator of it. You, she, I don't think you give as much credit for the movies. Like, she didn't write the script for the movie. She didn't direct the movie. Well, you know, the first script that she wrote was the Fantastic Beast movies, and it shows because she's not a movie script writer. She created the source material, which is perfect. It's fine. It's great that she created it, but at the same time, I'm like, that's kind of discrediting the hard work that goes into making the movie. I, I think the movies have, and the franchise has moved past her, and that's I think in my book, fine. Especially with uh, everything that she's revealed in the last five years or wizards so. just um, poop on the floor like stop no they have they you literally have bathrooms like yeah you spent half of a book in the bathroom basically yeah like shut up um and i just they want this to be a fun occasion and i don't see good conversations between specific probably between at least radcliffe and watson having anything to say about rowling um, yeah, they've point. been very vocal against her statements. Yeah, so I, I, I just don't see, and I, I, I understand now the kind of the the thing of like, but there's so much you miss from in the movies that's in the book. Like, yeah, a that's going to be the case no matter what. But B, there's a lot of stuff that got cut out that doesn't need to be in the movie. Exactly, like there, and I, I've been pretty vocal on saying like I, I recently, you know, I, I read, um was it sorcerer stone and then watch the movie i prefer the movie because it there's a lot of stuff that drags on there's a lot of details that while are great they don't matter so it's just and i can't say speak to the rest of the series quite yet but like it's i think the amount of people and i'll say this because I, I i think i now that i have read bolt read one and seen one uh I think the people saying, and I, I have a feeling you'll agree with me, the people saying, yes, but you miss so much in the movies, the books are so much better, takes away the achievement that the movies are. Yes. Like, you, the, the, what, we started making, they started making the movie after what, the second book? Third or fourth. Third? Okay. Most series, but especially kids' series, because these are kids' books, guys. Um, don't get made until years after the last entry. Like that's that's a big it's a big deal. So I just I don't know. It it, it it's it, you can tell J.K.'s like definitely shifted her her writings to understanding that these will become movies after the third book because all of a sudden they get more mature and darker and deal with some interesting things well that could also be your audience growing up with the books i mean there is there is that but like also (laughs) because she always knew how it was going to start and end i mean yes look okay a little little uh side conversation that has to do with this i i've been doing a lot of research into like book plotting how you plot stuff and blah 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 um while she in like a, her plotting is one of the few people that she's is one of the few people uh, like authors who's come out and been like, hey, this is how I plot, blah blah blah, um, and given like actual pictures of of plotting sheets and stuff like that. Uh, while she did have everything plotted out, there's a lot of like gray area that she that she and most authors leave 
for when they actually write them. So while they did have a beginning and an end, and there's you know certain landmarks in, you know in there, it's still like there's I don't know, man. I, I I'm always a especially when when you got directors coming out and be like, uh, oh, oh yeah, I, I I that's totally the way that I meant it to come off. Uh, yeah, like it's easy to backtrack and be like, oh yeah, I meant I meant that the whole time. Like. Hmm. My big issue with this, and it's going to be totally irrelevant, but whatever, is, all right, if you're going to do this reunion special, HBO Max, can you at least try and make sure that you have the movie rights to Harry Potter for that given month? Because I'm tired of you and uh, Peacock ping-ponging back and forth of, all right, who's got Harry Potter this month? I'm like, can one of you just just have it, please? Like, yeah. like I think it's all on HBO Max right now. Nope, it's on Peacock right now. They switched it already. Okay. It switches like every month. Okay. And I don't understand month, I watched, it. Wasn't it like last month I watched the whole, the full series? I think so. Yeah. yeah it's on Peacock oh, now. Oh, gosh. Yep. So as per usual, this episode is sponsored by T Public, where you can get all your Uncharted Media merch needs. We've got some new shirt designs. We've got some more on the way. So if you want any Uncharted Media merch, that's the place to go. Support the show, show off Uncharted Media swag, etc. Now, let's get into some movies that we are thankful for. The only real characteristics for this is just we are thankful for various reasons for these specific movies. And I put Lego Movie 1 because I am thankful for it. And 2, it fits color aesthetically with Thanksgiving quite nicely, actually. Um. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I don't really know where to start with this. Um, I've got quite a bit, but I know Josh has quite a bit as well. Josh, how did you yeah. uh, approach this? Um, I, I started being like, okay, what movies am I like incredibly thankful that I watched? And started there. And then I realized a lot of them were happened to be like in my top 10 favorite movies. And I was like, okay, well, why are those my favorites? Some of them were had like emotional attachment, like memories attached to them. Some of them I saw at the right time in my life that like that movie was exactly what I needed. It's like a good book or like a good friend that happens to show up at the right time in in your life. And a lot of these movies, I think, were that way. And some of them just showed me that I had been shunning a certain genre for no reason other than (laughs) I'm so cool. I don't need that. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's a pretty... Honestly, this might be the most varied list I think I've ever made because, golly, like, we got everything oh, yeah. from... I got a from, whole bunch of random stuff. Yeah, all right. So, uh, how many... <laughs> how many I'm, you I'm like, going to be actively adding stuff to this, I'm sure, while we're, while we're yeah. doing this. So... My yeah, number doesn't. I, my number's gonna fluctuate. I think one, two, three, four. I, five, six, I, seven, I stopped eight, at nine, nineteen. Ten. I, have, I have ten, but I'm sure I can add more as I'm going through this. <laughs> I think. I think some of ours are gonna kind of uh, be shared, so that will I think help. And I think both of us will say probably ones be like, be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe. Who knows? Um, I'm gonna lead off with uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, I, I think uh, it's. But not close to like the movie that I quote the most, but I think like scenes from that movie pop into my head constantly. And I think it, it a lot of these movies informed a lot of what my humor is today. Uh, just the, the 
the good jokes that are so stupid but they work the context is everything um it's just there's so much about like mel brooks movies that just have informed who i am as a as 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 a comic like i do come can comp can you barely do english i barely do words uh but yeah but like just like it's informed so much about like who i am that it's hard to not like look at robin hood men and tights in a very very fond light hmm should think of that that is my favorite comedy of all time so i probably should put that on my list because it's (laughs) That probably, I don't know if it's my most quoted, but it is probably the movie besides the original Star Wars, just because Star Wars, that I could quote the entire movie. Like, I could just yeah. put that on in the background. Also, Men in Tights is like my go-to sick movie. Like, I've yes. got stuff between Men in Tights and Psych, that's like my sick lineup. If, if I'm ever, like, not good and I need to be just, like, in and out of sleep, I'll put those on because I know I won't be lost and I know exactly where everything's happening on those well, and it's definitely like grown with me like the, the jokes that um like when blinken um the first time we meet blinken when he's like oh and you've grown boobs like i laughed at that as but a you lost your arms in the crusade uh, yes like i thought that was funny i was like ah ha 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 as a teenager but like now that joke is absolutely hilarious i love it and but like, that's nothing to say about the joke right before when literally a u-haul picks up the castle yes! set oh, and drives dude. away with it like i love it oh fourth wall comedy is just the best i can't handle it and it's hard to do well yeah absolutely um you know let's stay on this comedy train man let's, let's just keep going because there's i think so much of my humor is has was involved like informed more than from movies than i think i originally thought uh we're gonna go in a direction that i don't think you're ready that you thought i was going to so i want to talk about jonah a VeggieTales story <laughs> um, with the greatest musical number of all time when they're in the yeah. belly of the whale i don't understand that song is so good for that no reason so hard that's Dude. such a good jam and like i there, there's certain scenes like the, the the caterpillar yelling i'm coming traveling buddy um like stays in my head like they're like josh hurry up i'm coming traveling buddy like that's so great and it just introduced so much the 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 phrase don't grow tassels on your throat sticks in my head all the time when i'm shaving my beard like trimming up my beard for some reason and like it just the amount of stupid great jokes that are in that that movie but also like hardcore not necessarily christian life lessons in that film are so good uh the bad but a bad bunny song which is hilarious thing a bald bunny bald bunny bad bunny is somebody else yeah that's a that's that's an artist now or like the fact that all the 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 traditional uh veggie tales way which is to take a city and make something absolutely ridiculous seem funny but also terrifying with uh nineveh being the fish slapping city that's like that's, that's actually so... that sounds like a bad way to go yeah like i can't imagine living in a city and being constantly in in fear of being fish slapped like that's terrifying also so good as a kid and still to this day as an adult Nothing would make me laugh harder than the Jonah blooper reel. And still to this day, I appreciate that as an adult, I'm going, wait, you actually fully animated and rendered a blooper reel. So like they're driving 
tree, cabin, Larry boy. Hey guys, what's up? I'm like, and then Bob will look directly at the camera. I'm going, this is an animated movie. Why are you looking at the camera? Or like oh, Junior dude. and Laura will forget their lines and improv a scene. Or yep. the Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, my uncle was a Pirates crab. Of the Caribbean? Yeah, the Pirates the pirates who don't do anything. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> but when the, when the pirates are in the next booth over, they're just like, you know, my uncle was a crab. One time at the church picnic, we tickled his legs and we got him to move across the table. What? Hey, you don't give me a script. You take what you can get, my friend. I'm going, what? <laughs> like, it's so good. I miss the days where anim- where they were like, because Pixar did that too, where they did blooper reels Toy Story for 2. animated yep. movies. I guess that that's why so they call great. me Stinky Pete. Oh, dude. I just, yeah. Jonah the VeggieTales story is literally one of my favorite movies of all time, and it is a movie too because it was theatrically theatrically released. released. I saw it in theaters. That oh, that song in the belly of the whale though is so, so catchy. So good. Oh, so, so good. I'm a hard pivot away. Yeah. Because I can. The hardest of pivots ever, and I don't mean this any sarcastic way. I truly mean this. I'm thankful for Batman and Robin. so i'm thankful for this for a multitude of reasons one it was my very first five good things video ever did and so five good things really made me as a movie fan go into every movie hoping and trying to find the good in any movie i find even if it's bad even batman and robin which as i get older my hate for it lessens every year and I've come more to appreciate what Joel Schumacher was trying to do. It is not a good movie, but as an homage to the 60s Batman, it's actually really solid in that regard because it's attention to detail of like the weird Dutch angles, the over-the-top celebrity cameos playing villains because, you know, Vincent Price in the original 60s Batman wasn't weird for its time. Yeah. Um, in that sense, it very much is a continuation of that Adam West Batman so it had me do five good things, made me appreciate movies more, which led to us doing stuff like The Wicker Man or just just Nicholas. I'm thankful for Nicholas Cage yeah, in general. I, I have that on my Just Nicholas Cage in general. But I think going into that of like movies are hard to do. There's going to be positives no matter what. And I, I try to it doesn't always come through, obviously, but I try to have a positive outlook with movies. Um, says the cynical movie person. But I'm also (laughs) thankful for Batman and Robin in a kind of roundabout way that if Batman and Robin was not the movie that it was and it was better, we never get the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm -hmm. I don't think we get the superhero era that we get today. Batman and Robin firmly killed the superhero genre for a little bit before Blade and the X-Men and Spider-Man brought it back. If that movie was halfway decent and people wanted to see more of those, I think we continue along the Schumacher line. We maybe get Batman Triumphant, even though I know that wasn't what the movie was going to be called. We don't get Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. We definitely wouldn't have got Darren Aronofsky's Year One. Uh, yeah. We wouldn't have needed to reboot Batman at all. Get one of the best Batman movies of all time with Batman Begins. We The superhero landscape, I think, would be drastically different if Batman and Robin wasn't Batman and Robin. 
Yeah. No, I completely agree. It's it, and it's that's one of those thankful things that's hindsight and in, in seeing the the scope of what where we are with movies and understanding like, hey, like producers re- are re- pretty rea- reactionary sometimes. What? Um, no. Yeah. You brought it up, so I'm gonna go ahead and dive in. <laughs> um, I am just thankful for Nicolas Cage movies in general. I have a, hail a, a Cage, couple, dude. I have a couple that I'm like specifically thankful for, but like. I just, I appreciate that there is, <laughs> there's a Lone Ranger out there in the acting world. He's like, I'm gonna give the, <laughs> I'm gonna give the movie industry stuff that they didn't know they wanted. That I'm is Lone Samurai, e- equally entertaining as it is absurd in most time, in most, most cases, but like also give them some absolute bangers at the same time. Drive Angry like, Race a masterpiece. It is. Um, I always speak very highly of the trust with Elijah Wood. Um, it is absolute chaos, but so cool. And the twist is not something you normally would see coming. Um, I will always appreciate and love the Wicker Man. I think part of part of that has to do with you, the memories I have associated with you and I doing a five good things on it. Because it was like the first time both of us were seeing it, and we're like, what? is this it's so cool but terrible but interesting i don't understand um also the ghostwriter movies like i just as 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 bad as they are and they are pretty bad they are pretty bad i think it also i don't want to say introduced fan service but like gave a certain aspect of like hey guys like superhero movies can be really fun and really kooky but like if you set a giant drill on fire for your hero to kill villains with we're gonna like it so i just and like nicholas cage's portrayal of johnny blaze is just hilarious so i just yeah always thankful for nicholas cage movies i don't know why but this thought just popped in my head before i die I need Nicolas Cage to be in the same movie as Keanu Reeves. Oh, please. Just just to see the pairing of the two of them. Make Nicolas Cage the head of the table in John Wick. Say less. I am so here for that. Ah. Oh. Or like he's like, "Hey, we we need some help from from an old old friend." We need the lone samurai. I hate I hate you for that. <laughs> so much and it just ends up being like a modern retelling of outcast <laughs> it's his character from willie's wonderland oh no <laughs> he doesn't say anything oh man so uh, let's see what house. can i go with next um ooh, i'll go with i am thankful for avengers endgame for giving me probably the greatest cinematic experience i've ever had in a movie theater um that's Avengers Endgame was the first time I've been in a theater that it felt like I was at a concert. Like everyone oh, was just yeah. like primed and ready to go. Like just everyone was hanging on every single second of this movie. Cause I remember um, after they decapitate Thanos five years, <gasps> like my whole theater like freaks out and I'm just sitting back going, yeah, well, we kind of figured that's what was going to happen. You, what's it like living in your normal brains? Like, what's it like <laughs> not being 
obsessive about every little detail before things come out. And so yeah. like everything happens. Um, it just such a great experience. And then we get to the final battle. Everyone's kicking butt. Uh, I remember going into the movie with uh, Heather and my parents going for months leading up. just like, only thing I want from Avengers movie at some point in my lifetime, I want Captain America to wield Mjolnir and I want Avengers Assemble to be set at some point because we got close in Age of Ultron. And so I was like, that, that's not really all I need. And then I get so much more in Endgame. But the hammer falls to the side because he gets knocked out of Thor's ham. Um, then you get Thanos. You get has Stormbreaker basically pressing into Thor's chest. And the hammer starts to lift. And there's not a person in my theater who is not losing their ever-loving mind when that hammer starts lifting up of like... Is it? And I'm I'm literally almost out of my chair at this moment going, they're not actually going to do it, are they? Hammer flies by, hits th- uh, Thanos in the back of the head, swoops back. Everyone cheered so loud. I'm trying to remember if I jumped out of my seat. I'm going to think that I did and then immediately sat right back down. Everyone lost their minds yeah, when he absolutely. lifted the hammer going, I, I didn't even hear Thor say, I knew it. Because my theater was cheering so loud. And it's still the greatest wrestling match of all time because, you know, you got the comeback and the guy gets knocked down, yep. gets some of heat back. And then Thanos just knocks him down. What I love is we all got so excited that at least me and the people around me forgot that hulk snapped everyone back so when captain america is standing on that cliff we're just like well i don't know what's gonna happen now can you hear me and we couldn't really hear what was what was being said cap and sam can you hear me and then i remember everyone in my theater kind of had that brief moment of going that voice (gasps) sam was one of the people that got snapped and in that moment the circle appeared you're going dr strange is one of the people that got snapped (gasps) black panther and everyone (laughs) cheers even louder so you're going black panther's back falcon on your left (laughs) i'm okay i'm not dying i'm just happy (laughs) but like it genuinely was like i think everybody had a really good experience with that movie especially with that scene even though I will like rewatching the Avengers Assemble doesn't typically make sense, but oh, like, I love it anyway. And so uh, like it keeps building and building. Everyone's still cheering and getting louder and louder. And then Avengers. And I'm going, oh, it's finally happening. It's finally happening. I'm like trying to make sure everyone around is quiet. I'm like, I think he's going to say it. I think he's going to say it. Everyone shut up. Assemble. Yes! <laughs> like just one uniform nerdgasm of happiness just oh! and then I get out of the theater later having just screamed my lungs out bawled my eyes out when Cap gives the shield to Sam going they actually did the thing they didn't give it to Bucky who absolutely did not deserve it and I was worried that he was going to get it anyway because he's white um and he's Bucky, yep. and, they, and he sells more merch. But I get out of the theater, I'm talking to my parents about it, and I genuinely have no voice. I lost my voice in the movie. It was the coolest experience I've ever had in a theater. And what was great was I saw Avengers three or four times in theaters, and every 
single time Cap lifts the sh- the hammer, cheers every time. Got people excited. The only thing even remotely close was The Force Awakens. And even then, mm. that was exciting, but not like a continuous just eruption yeah. of joy. Like And cool. like yeah, and that's I, I have Force Awakens on my list too, but like it's Endgame just is the pinnacle of of comic book movies at this particular moment. Um I'm hoping that changes, not because I want it to I, I think it's bad, but like I, I, that is a high bar to set, and it's a bar that I would love to see overturned in some way. It's still um, a good story, too, as well as yeah, a spectacle. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think uh, let's, so. Let's go ahead and transition again, then, then automatically into Force Awakens since we you brought it up. But um, I think it's <laughs> you and I say it all the time. It's the one that uh, of the prequel of the sequel trilogy that gets kind of forgotten about because it's too similar to A New Hope. Don't care. Absolutely, it's I'm so good. It. It's so good. Um, I still squeal with delight when they're when Ray is flying it, it is, and making that the Falcon do things that we've never seen done. I was like, oh yes, absolutely. Um, but I'm thankful the most for even no matter how you feel about the the sequel trilogy, I'm happy for a new generation of star wars fans i'm happy for a new generation of star wars content because without force awakens there's no mandalorian there's no i would dare say rebels would not be as popular as it is we wouldn't get the rebels started of, before Force, but awakens. it would i but it's not i don't think it would have been near as popular i don't think rebels see i i disagree just because i've always felt like rebels never got the respect it deserved because everyone was That's too fair. focused on Clone Wars. They're like, look how great Clone Wars was. Oh, yeah, then there's that kid show. I'm going, but the kid show has, <laughs> kid show's got good storytelling, too. It's more like storytelling. Like, it's more narratively coherent than Clone Wars, who bops around to everybody in the galaxy at yeah. one point or another. Although, yeah. as much as people bash on Rebels, I think it's funny. It's like, you got your Clone Wars people. You got your Rebels peoples. We all meet in the middle to hate on Star Wars Resistance. Yes, Resistance is bad. But I think Force Awakens started the true like resurgence of a new generation of Star Wars content. Um, it I just and there's no way to go back to it now. I I, I just I vividly remember the trail like that first trailer dropping in the theater. I forget what movie I was seeing, but I just everybody in that theater was always locked in on that trailer. I just. I, it's hard to not be thankful for the the stuff that Star Wars Force Awakens started and has and hopefully will continue and you know Kathleen Kennedy doesn't ruin it I, even more. Yeah, um, let's go another one that I can just do quickly. I am thankful for Twenty Two Jump Street for giving me single handedly the greatest belly laugh I've ever had in a movie to the point yeah. of. Jump, 22 Jump Street is the only movie that I can think of, except for maybe the original What We Do in the Shadows, that has made me cry from laughing so hard when Ice Cube finds out that, he, <laughs> that, that everybody finds out <laughs> that Jonah Hill has been hooking up with his daughter. That is single-handedly the hardest I have ever laughed in the theater to the point of like my stomach hurt and my eyes were just 
full of tears from laughing so hard. Oh my gosh. That and um, what we do in the shadows with the not quite transformation in the original movie. That Oh gosh. I paused that movie because I was laughing so hard at it. But I, I'm thankful for both Jump Street movies and I'm kind of sad we're probably not going to finish out the trilogy because yep. it was supposed to cross over with Men in Black, but that never ended up happening and that got turned into Men in Black International. So yeah. Thanks for that, guys, because yeah. I remember making the case to somebody of, like, honestly, Men in Black needs Jump Street more than Jump Street needs Men in Black right now, but those two movies are done. Wait a second. Did we <laughs> not Did we not get a third Jump Street because of Solo? Wait, what do you mean? Because Lord and Miller left to do Solo. When I'm going to look it up. When was... 22 yeah. Jump Street was, I I feel like, yeah, 2014. So they probably That's would have left. Crazy. They probably would have left for Solo, Solo which yeah. came out in 2018. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, that's a four-year gap, so a lot can happen. But yeah, that wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. So is the reason we never got a 23 Jump Street? Because, dang it, Solo. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do a, do a cluster here because the more and more I, I think about movies, the more and more I realize that um, I, my personality is so informed by like, or like just trash comedy movies. Uh, so what? Let's talk, no. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to put together uh Kung Pao, hot shot part, hot shots, part douche. Uh, and Hot Rod and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy are like, God, man, like, you watch any of those movies and you'll understand my humor all the time. Like, just a stupid, blatant, disrespectful, sometimes, like, kind of bad, but like... Sometimes? I mean, uh, Hot, Kung Pao and Hotshot have not aged well, but like, they're still so, fu- <laughs> they're still so funny. Oh, I mean, you. I mean, yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> Beth. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. So, there's definitely like Hotshot's part deuce is like, that is, oh, there's a lot of really bad stuff in that movie. But um, just like, I'm thankful for movies, for comedies that, for comedies that were like, hey, let's do something funny that's just funny for for funny's sake. Like along the lines of like Monty Python of like, that that joke only works in this context. There's no way that that you can take that, you know, uh, setup and punchline and put it somewhere else. Like that joke only works here because of the context of the film. And like, there's just I I needed to. The more and more I thought about it, the more and more I realized how much of my personality is like, is definitely informed and like, by yeah, it's shaped by these movies, especially like Hitchhiker's Hitchhiker's Guide, Chicken's Guide to the Galaxy. I can't talk today, dude. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's just I can't. There's just so many good movies out there, there, and so many bad comedies that aren't funny. there's just no way that I, I could not talk about them. So let's see. I've got, I'm going to save the ones that I'm thankful for 
because of my movie history for last. Uh, I'll talk about some that I'm thankful for just because of the memories that I have associated with them in relation to like friends and family. So I'm thankful for a movie that doesn't get talked about nearly enough anymore. Liam Neeson's A-Team movie. I'm so thankful for that because I got to see that in theaters with just my mom. It was just me and her. And Mm -hmm. I didn't think that was the type of movie that she would want to see. She was like, you want to see A-Team? I'm like, okay, cool. Because she had seen the original show. We get out of it. She's like, that was really good. And A-Team still to this day is one of those like rewatchable. My entire family will go back and watch it. You have to watch the extended cut because, of course, it's probably one of my favorite casts. And I don't think we talk enough about the great humor of like when, um, what's it, Murdoch drops the radiator thing on uh, BA's truck and he's just like, you, you idiot, you crushed my car. You can't park there. That's a handicap zone. Like, <laughs> it's just such a good move. I love it so much. And I just uh, love that time that I got to see it with my mom, not thinking that she was going to enjoy it. Um, also, I am thankful for most of Man of Steel. I've talked at length about (laughs) how I have issues with the latter half of it. I don't think it's paced particularly well, but I love the first half of Man of Steel a lot. Uh, But I love and I'm thankful for the memory that I have of seeing Man of Steel. We were on vacation in Disneyland, so the complete opposite coast. Uh, We were living in Colorado at the time, so not like completely across the country, but... uh, I had wanted to see it. I begged and pleaded. It was actually around the time when Man of Steel was coming out that I got into um, Collider. At the time, AMC Movie Talk. Oh, yeah. Was So a lot of the crew for that I've been watching for about eight years now. But I remember we passed the Downtown Disney AMC theaters and we're on vacation. So we're like, we don't normally go to the movies on vacation because that's something you can do at home. But I remember just like... Please, can I see Man of Steel at midnight? Please, I want to see the midnight release. And mom had no interest in seeing it whatsoever. And so I was like basically begging my dad. He's like, all right, if we do this, you can't complain about being tired in the morning. You're going to get like four hours or five hours of sleep. You can't complain about being tired. Like, I promise, I promise. So we get tickets for Man of Steel. We're like awkwardly off to the side. We don't have the best seats. But it was the first DC movie in a while since like the rise of Marvel movies had come out since Iron Man in 2008. Yeah, we had Dark Knight and um, Dark Knight Rises in 2008 and 2012, but this was the first movie that felt like a lot of DC fans were coming out of the woodwork. I saw a lot of Superman shirts, saw a lot of just DC shirts, so it felt cool to be in that environment, seeing it with my dad. Um, And it was just a really, really fun experience. And then walking back to our hotel at like 2.30 in the morning, Hmm. um debating whether or not we like the superman death the superman murder part um but yeah that was that's probably one of my favorite experiences with my dad at the theater and while i don't always love man of steel i still will always be partial to it because of the memories i have associated with it and then last mm. but not least i have two movies that are kind of tied because of how it relates to my relationship with my wonderful wife heather so um we saw the Lego movie. I had no plans of seeing this movie in theaters whatsoever. I thought the trailers looked bad. And so over Christmas break, she texted, we were texting and she said, uh, I called dibs and taking you to see Lego movie. I'm just going, okay, whatever. Like I don't really have any interest, but she, if she wants to see it, sure. And we were still kind of relatively new to, uh, dating each other at that point. 
hadn't been together very long and I don't even know if we were like officially dating yet. Uh, but so we see the Lego movie and I have like below zero expectations and then I immediately love every minute of it. Lego movie is still one of my favorite comedies of all time. But the moment in particular I'm going, <gasps> is when they're on um, Metal Beard's ship and they're just like, all right, in order to do this, we've got to get a hyperdrive. But we're... Where are we going to find a hyperdrive in the middle of nowhere? Dun, 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 dun. And the Millennium Falcon just shows up. And I screamed louder than anybody else in the theater, which is not at all embarrassing because we we're surrounded by a whole bunch of elementary kids. I'm going, I don't care. No one else is enjoying this movie more than me right now. And then you get Han Solo and C-3PO. And I just loved all of the Lego movies. And that, as soon as we get out of the theater, I'm like... I'm sorry, you went on a date with my inner nine-year-old tonight, but she could see, like, my joy and enthusiasm with Lego Movie, and I immediately went right back to the dorm, gathered up everyone I could, I'm saying, hey, we're seeing the Lego Movie tomorrow, and we did, and then we saw it the next weekend, and then the weekend after that, and it kept, like, everyone I kept telling had the exact same experience of, like, really? The Lego Movie? And then we get out of theater, and everyone's going... So we're seeing that next weekend with more people, right? Like it was the tell your friends type of movie of how good the yeah. Lego movie was. Cause I remember telling like you and Nesla, I'm going, trust me, you guys are going to like this. And you're like, I don't know. Within two minutes, all of you are on the floor laughing so hard or like the part where Vitruvius is dead and being held by a little string. I'm a ghost. Ooh. <laughs> uh, just I'm thankful it's for the Lego time. movie. I'm also thankful for a very obscure John Cusack movie called Better Off Dead, which is just one of Heather and I's favorite. <laughs> Two dollars. Yeah. Yes. One oh, of my favorites. Man. It's. I think my... about that see that kid so more often than it sh- that I should. But Going like, off the yeah. side of a cliff, still screaming about. The movie's like super forgettable, but like the fact. See, no, it's fantastic. Kid. No, I refuse. No, <laughs> it's so he's got weird. The, the quote unquote like drug friend who like snorts jello and snow. This is pure snow. I can't feel my right arm. And he's moving like the wrong arm. But Better Off Dead still has one of my favorite lines in any comedy. Huh. It's a shame people would be throwing away a perfectly good, good white boy. <laughs> like <laughs> when he falls in the trash can. But that was one of the first comedies that Heather and I watched. We both still, it's one of our favorites to watch together. It's one of the best. That was originally shown to me by my mom, who's like, you got to watch this. I'm going, I don't know. And it's just that warped sense of humor. That's just, it's just wrong that I love it so much. Gee, Ricky, sorry your mom blew up. (laughs) Like, just not right, man. But I love it so much. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think like, all these movies are definitely one of those like like i could talk about fight club i could talk about um sinister because like those are like the ones like for you and i that i have really really good memories about and like i can rewatch them and i think i've come to appreciate them more as movies themselves now as watching them by myself as an adult but yeah like there's a lot of emotional attachment and i think at least with these my, my last ones my last four I, I got four as well. Awesome. Awesome. Um, they're the ones that hit me at the right right point in time. Uh, they, I always grab something new from them. It's just, and some of it's, they're just the ones that, that 
what what is it what what is it you and I always say it, it just hits me where I live man I don't I just like they just hit me every time and I, they're the movies I recommend the most I think all right so what what are those four then let's, uh all let's right close so my list my four and you're you're not going to be surprised by any of these um silver linings playbook perks of being a wallflower blade hunter for 2049 and blade Trek hunter blade runner sorry um some of those i am actually surprised about really i'm very much surprised about silver linings playbook and perks of being a wallflower dude they so i found those movies that year after college so after those four years and i was going i was going through it um, you know, I had just gotten through a breakup. I was trying to make uh, a living situation happen in Illinois and it was not working um, and was forced to move back in with my parents after college. And it just uh, after having a strange relationship for a long, long, long time. And I just I saw Perks of Being a Wallflower and Silver Linings Playbook for the first time. And. God, they just. Both movies deal with mental illness, deal with the trauma of life, basically. And the, I'm not normally a guy that likes dramas or, or, or I don't want to say chick flicks because they're not really chick flicks. Like, because it, it, I almost added The Vow to this list because it, it hit me where I live, too, for some reason. Uh, the Vow is a movie with starring Channing Tatum, by the way. He said it's, it's, it's pretty good. You should watch it. Um, but they just, the characters are, lo- are, are lovable. Um, the messages that the, the movies are, are, are throwing around are fantastic. They deal with real, real stuff that is not, sometimes not talked about. And I think they just, they hit me at the right point in my life when that's what I needed, exactly what I needed. Uh, Treasure Planet's kind of the same way. I, I saw it as a teenager for the first time, like real young, like 13, I think. 13, 14 was like the first time I saw it. And I just felt starting to notice a pattern here and I don't like it. Um, I felt I felt that I just like, I didn't know what I was going to do, who I was or what, as most teen, early teenagers do. Um, and Treasure Planet has this, you know, Hawkins is like such a character that like, you can see yourself in, in that you feel lost. You don't know where you're going to go, but like Hawkins is also like the friend you wish you had of like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. We're having a good time. I'll figure it out as we go. And he, he's charming. And the movie takes place in this world in which I wish was real that you can sail ships on in, in space and screw you nostalgia critic. It is a wonderful mechanic and i don't care if it doesn't yeah, such quote, a, quote, i still hate that nitpick sense. i hate that i love that like the sails are solar like they take solar energy to to say like that makes solar sense. board were... is still so wonderful Dude, i everyone's like i want the i want the hoverboard from from back to the future and no like, that that no, doesn't go the, over water no uh, the solar board is that opening sequence of treasure planet is still one of my favorite bits of animation of all time that match and cut just, though when he's a little kid reading under the covers to when he's oh, an adult on the board you're just going oh like ooh, butter yes oh ah, so good and just there's so much about treasure planet to like and it just it i saw it at the right time um 
And Blade Runner 2049 was my introduction to, I want to say hardcore sci-fi. Because I saw Blade Runner 2049 before I saw the original Blade Runner. Um, so I, there was obviously some story elements I didn't get the first time I watched Blade Runner 2049 because I hadn't seen the original. Um, but like it was my introduction to really, really heady sci-fi <laughs> um and uh, while that is not the easiest or most entertaining genre to, to watch at times um as much as I, I i do see the respect that people give blade runner the original at least <clears throat> the director's cut uh and understand and think it is worthy of that respect gosh sometimes it it it, it just like i'm a philosophical movie i'm so cool whereas blade runner 2049 goes yo this movie has some really deep stuff we need to talk about but we're also going to tell a really interesting story along the way so and like this was also my introduction to ryan gosling as a non-rom-com actor because like i saw this and then i saw uh, drive and uh, place between the pines i was like this Ryan Gosling is easily, after those three movies, one of my favorite actors because he's he's just so versatile and he's especially when you watch uh, Nice Guys with Russell Crowe, like it's oh, so good, it's so good. He's easily one of the best actors around. Um, but yeah, like they just this was, I go back and rewatch Blade Runner twenty forty nine at least once every few months because it's just it visually it's incredible. I love Ryan Gosling's character it's it's just an interesting story and like yeah so these are like the ones that always hit me where i live no matter what no matter what kind of day i'm having i watch these cool 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 um, bet, 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 bet. so i got four more ones that will we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast some of them some of them we've talked about a little bit uh one in particular halloween just for introducing me to the horror genre, but also in introducing me to the horror genre, Halloween also got me to get out of my usual tastes. Like mm. with food, you eat the same stuff. You know what you like. You know what you don't like. You don't try new things. I was kind of the same way with movies for a while of not my entire life, but like I just kind of like the mainstream stuff of like the superhero movies, the action movies, some comedies me getting into horror i wanted to try to just be like okay well i've never experienced horror movies before and i like it what are some other things that i've never tried before cinematically that i might end up liking and so now like i really am invested and interested in all kinds of things not just the stuff that like the big attention grabbing like your spider-mans um but i'm interested in the little obscure stuff the the dramas i i won't write off anything unless it's an uwe bowl movie um <laughs> in which case Fair. i'll watch Fair. that but for very very different reasons yeah. <laughs> um then i've talked of course at length about toy story because that was my first movie and i think really that was my my first spark that i would love movies for the rest of my life um so yeah, Toy Story will always have a very special place in my heart, so I'm thankful for Toy Story. Um, 
Let's talk about Fight Club then, because Josh brought it up earlier. I've got to be thankful for Fight Club, because honestly, without Fight Club, I don't... I might have met Josh, but I don't know if I would have. Because mm-hmm. well, you, you were in a different dorm than me, so it would have been... Even when you were an RA, you were on a different floor than me, so I probably would have met you eventually, but yeah. Fight Club is essentially where I met Josh and where everything kind of got started for the two of us. Um, kind of. Um, so, like, we watched Fight Club, and then we kind of went our separate ways for a while. Um... But, like, at that point in time, I needed people in my life, as I'll yeah. talk about in my last movie that I'm thankful for because I've got a lot of backstory that comes with it, believe it or not. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So, um, at the time, I was a freshman in college my first semester. This is probably september or october maybe so not quite fall break because i remember when i came home for fall break i did not want to go back to college i hated it that much um and that's because and josh and i've talked about this before if we had certain people that more or less were supposed to be a specific thing for people and really were not and they were the opposite of what they were supposed to be and made living just not a pleasant experience and so I spent so much time and so much money at Family Video, which we've talked about on the podcast before, but it's basically a dirt cheap version of Blockbuster. Um, And so I, no joke, have spent hundreds of dollars at Family Video over the years before it closed because so most of the time when you're in school or in college, you like the weekend because you can hang out with your friends. My freshman year, I liked... The school week, because I could, I had a set schedule, I could go to classes, I could do this, and I dreaded the weekend because I had no friends to spend with, so it was basically me alone with my thoughts for two days, Um, and I absolutely hated it, so I would go up, walk to Family Video, get seven or eight movies, and have them done by the weekend because I had nothing better to do, Um, but it was in that, getting these slew of movies upon movies upon movies, for some reason when I was watching Wrath of Khan, it just clicked in my brain going, this is what you need to be doing with the rest of your life. Now I don't do movie stuff professionally, but I do video stuff. And that stemmed out of this out of watching wrath of Khan. Cause at the time I had a specific major. I didn't want that major anymore. Cause that major would not have fit me now, but I'm going, well, I really love movies and I always have and no one's telling me I can't do this. So I'm going to do it until someone says I can't do it anymore. And it ended up being my career path that I'm on now with video production type of stuff. And so I just Wrath of Khan. It's probably one of the better Star Trek movies. It is very good. But for some reason, something about watching that just clicked in my brain that that's what I need to be doing. Cause at that time, Movies were my friend. And then coming back from fall break, I would met like one or two people and it kind of went on from there. It was once I kind of got out of the living situation, my freshman year, things did start to turn around and I enjoyed college a lot more. That being said, if I got a chance, I would not go back and redo college. I think it's a complete waste of time. Um, But (laughs) 
But family video and movies, I was so thankful for and appreciative at the time that I really, really needed it. And they got me through a lot of tough stuff, like Josh said with him. And so through Wrath of Khan, I knew what I wanted to do. And it wasn't the path that I was currently on. But because of movies, I was able to connect more with Josh. More so, I feel like we were close in college, like primarily senior year because I was out in the apartments for one. But Josh and I have gotten closer post-college because of movies that have brought us together. So we're thankful in that regard. Um, But yeah, I will always have something to do with movies, I think, just because I think it's that strong connective tissue I think yeah. it's that cool thing of you can go into a room that you don't know anybody in the room, but you're all experiencing generally the same thing. And I think that's a really cool unifying aspect. So there will always be movies that I'm thankful and appreciative of that they've kind of helped shape me who I am, made me the person I am from a communication standpoint, um, for better, for worse. Um, yeah. And just, a lot of aspects of filmmaking I'm very thankful and appreciative of because they're they're there when you need it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like I think the stage of movies I'm in right now too is like I'm rediscover I'm I'm helping my younger two brothers like discover all of these movies that I've known for years, but they have no idea. So getting to see people who have never seen these movies that I love fall in love with them as well is so cool. And like my relationship with my dad has been repaired in a lot of different ways through movies. Cause there for a while there, there was uh, this past year or so he and I would like watch almost, if not a movie a day, at least one or two a week. Um, and it's just been, it's just been a lot of fun to like explore movies with him and to, cause there's been a lot he hasn't seen. So it was, it's just been, I think movies at the end of the day, at least for you and I, and I think for a lot of other people, bring us together, and it's which is like there's no way to not say it in a cheesy and cliche way, but like they're one of those entertainment things that it just brings people together, and we can all experience it together at the same time. And I don't know, man. I mean, for a while, that my family we have a, we still have a tradition. Whenever we get together, we're going to go to see the go to the theater and see at least one movie. So it's just, yeah, yeah it, I, don't know if, the... I don't know if we always go to the theater, but there's definitely movies that my family and I, like whenever we get together, there's like a list of like, I don't say mom approved movies, but kind of mom approved movies of yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of like, all right, pick from these that are like the most rewatchable. So like we've seen the mummy or national treasure or independence day or yeah. Sahara or Prince of Persia, a whole bunch because like whenever we get together, we watch movies that's just what we do christmas vacation that's around the corner so i know i'm gonna have at least one watch of that this year um and as i get older one thing that i'm very thankful for and appreciative of of is introducing people to movies there's nothing more gratifying to me than when i recommend a movie to someone and then they come back and they're like that was so good and then you can have a conversation out of that like i'm getting to that age where i know I'll have kids someday, and the one of the things I'm most looking forward to is introducing them to a whole bunch of movies. Be like, so, I know you're four, but his name is Michael Myers. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. look, man, I don't want okay. to tell you how to parent, but uh, maybe a four-year-old shouldn't see someone murdered right in front of them. <laughs> so, we're going to stay at this hotel in room 1408. 
Good luck. Definitely not. No, definitely not. That's that a kids movie. Be... It's about kids. Uh, yeah, it's about children. But... Yes, but <laughs> it's about nah, children. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things, and I think. I mean, I'm at the point in my life right now. I've kind of accepted it, that I might end up being the cool uncle that has no, doesn't get married and you know doesn't have kids. But like, I'll the cool be the uncle, uncle is still important. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, growing up, my mom's older brother was the cool cool uncle, and like he was the one that showed us Lord of the Rings, um, uh, Star Trek, most of the the um, the the uh, the Monty Python stuff uh my my kung fu movie obsession started because of him so it's just like being a cool uncle is, is uh totally up my up my alley so i don't really care but yeah like it's just it, it we wouldn't i mean without movies this podcast wouldn't exist but yeah like most it of my would humor, it just be some other generic to white guy talking podcast yeah. um but like the more and i think through doing this list, the more and more I realize I've realized over this past week that m- movies and TV shows have really shaped who I am as a person, and my humor, my personality, my outlook on life really has been shaped by movies and TV shows. So now you know, people. Now you know who to blame, more or less, for for why Josh is the way he is. Okay, rude. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you guys? What are some movies that you're either thankful for, or appreciative of that you? They help formulate who you are that you're just like, I'm, I'm glad that that movie's a thing. I'm glad it exists. Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.